Hey everyone, it's Kai and Lafayette, and this is The, the Theory, Theory of Living. Living. Thanks for tuning in. We are able to bring you this episode thanks to our Patreon members. Patreon is a subscription-based platform where people can provide support for content creators like us. Thanks to our Patreon members and supporters, we are able to provide free content on the podcast and weekly episodes. By being a Patreon member, you'll have access to our entire podcast library, full video and audio episodes, along with much more. If you like this episode and you feel it adds value to your life, or you hate it, please subscribe on Patreon and or leave your review on Apple Podcast. And don't forget to mention it to your friends over your next beer. Truly, thank you again, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Okay, we're back again. We're back again? Yeah. I thought we were going to switch it up with the intro. Right. We're going to be more fast-paced, more hot, mm-hmm. more scaling, you know? We're going to do what all the popular people do. Mm-hmm. We're going to hit you with that intro. Real quick cuts. Yeah. Some nice music. Yeah. Before you know it. Sounds all good. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we've thought about this, but, you know, we just don't really care about the formality of all the podcasts. And, you know, almost looks like, you know, news program, you know, like we don't really care about those. Yeah, we're not news anchors, right? We're Yeah, we're not. And, you know, but, that, you know, that doesn't mean that we don't appreciate you guys and we don't respect you guys it's just that the formality is not for us and really has nothing to do with the type of contents that we're delivering um so there has to be a bit of informality to exchange the ideas right that's why we have the uh, intro right before this uh but if you have any suggestion for a good opening please let (laughs) us know um and uh, uh an important announcement for this week is that we got uh uh, a couple of new patrons. Yeah, really appreciate you. Yeah, very to appreciate both of you guys. guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, then, not guys, but one was definitely oh, yeah. a woman. We made a fatal mistake right there. <laughs> just assumed gender. <laughs> it's just an expression, you know. It's better than y'all. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> Use guys, you know. We appreciate you. Right. Uh, we uh, teased this last ep- uh, on this last episode, but we're talking about death today. Uh, could be very deep subject but um regardless we're trying to have meaningful conversation and that's the whole point of our podcast right mm-hmm. we're trying to have meaningful conversation um about a subject yeah very different subjects because mm-hmm. life is complex and made of multiple concepts and ideas right so yeah you know interviewing the idea essentially and then sussing it out and trying to figure out mm-hmm. what applicability it has is it serving us have we been thinking about it wrong? Right. What can we do differently with these ideas? And how do they actually apply to our living and mm-hmm. our lifestyles? Right. Because if they're unapplicable, then are they really worth maintaining? Absolutely. So that's that's what I meant by meaningful, right? We need to uh we need to learn from our discussion. We need to gain something from discussion uh, to enrich our lives and enrich our daily um, uh, days. Uh, I'd like to start with uh, the fact that we're talking about other concepts as well today because death is not alone. Um, It's a sole subject. I mean, we can isolate it, but it is not so meaningful if we just solely focus on death itself, right? Because... Life is, I mean, death is obviously opposite concept of life. Um, uh, To say that to die is to be no longer alive, um, you know, 
it's, it's, it'll be meaningful to talk about the nature of life a little bit before you, you know, go into death. Yeah, think? I think it's essential. You need some type yeah. of comparing, right? To arrive to the yeah. definition, you have to compare death mm-hmm. to something that's what we right. would often describe as the antithesis yeah. of life. So I would right. agree with that definition. So basically what it is to be alive and therefore what it is that death ends. Yeah, right. cessation yeah. of living. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So is life simply a collection of events or experiences or something's history, right? I mean, we can we can look at it uh, from different angles, but uh, this alone is a vast subject to explore, right? So we're not um, really diving into this for, for this episode at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, since today's, today's topic is death, the opposite concept. <laughs> So we're going to just look at some of the notable views among many uh, as our precursor uh, to the discussion today. Um, one of the many uh, notable views, one is life uh, is a property. So this may sound really alien to a lot of people. What do, what do you mean by life is a property? Um, so even under this life as a property, there are many different views and among many is uh the most notable one is life functionalism. This is introduced by Aristotle, basically analyzing the property of life in terms of one or one or more primary functions that um, organism can perform, and he lists uh, these functions, which is nutrition, reproduction, sensation, autonomous motion, and thought. Right, uh, but this is controversial. I mean given that this idea came out a long time ago because of the ambiguity of the list. For example, it would be incorrect to conclude that something is alive if and only if it is capable of performing all those functions that listed above, right? Mm -hmm. Because clearly we have uh, other examples like mules, for example, cannot reproduce, but they're alive, right? Yeah. And then uh, embryo too, um, you cannot really perform. Autonomously. I was going to talk. I was going to talk about this later, but I think it's uh, relevant here. Embryo can be uh, frozen, which is uh, which doesn't really perform any vital uh, activities, but it can be revived, right? So it, it means it's not dead. Yeah, you right? suspend the animation. Right. So there, there are a lot of ambiguities about the list, you know. And also another thing is that. Can we say that something is alive if it can perform at least one of the functions of, uh, listed above, right? So there are a lot of ambiguities about this. And there's another good uh, definition about uh, from NASA, which says that life is a self-sustaining chemical system cap- capable of Darwinian uh, evolution. But this is also controversial, right? Because yeah, I mean, be certainly right. there are animals that are known to have stopped evolve a long time ago. And... Well, this can be controversial. You may say that, oh, that's not true. Okay, but what about the fact that this definition really fails to account for uh, a possible lack of ability to evolve as an individual organism? Because the ability to evolve by natural selection is something that collections of organisms may or may not have, but uh, not that an individual organism may have. Right. Yeah. So this is completely different uh, matter. Yeah. Well, that seems like a non-essential property. That's mm-hmm. taking the assumption that life must exist mm-hmm. under that specific condition to evolve. Right. 
right. which is not necessarily inscribed upon reality. It's the, our best understanding of right. life currently, right? But there could be new data or new life discovered that mm-hmm. makes us and forces us to reevaluate yeah. that definition of life by NASA's design. Right. So uh, we've looked at just a couple of you know notable views, but you know you quickly realize that it is really hard to come up with what life is, really. I mean, you know, again, just like we can define death in probably a million different ways, we can do the same thing about life. Life is so complex. Life is, you know, could be objective, but also subjective, right? There are so much controversies in it and so much dis- uh, uh, discussion points in it, right? Yeah. So... I feel like we, you know, are forced to really realize that it is maybe not important to really understand or come up with a uh, like objective definition of what life is or death is, right? I think we should look at it from a different uh, point of view, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, these concepts and the definitions change based on mm-hmm. which field of study you're in. So for the philosopher, mm-hmm. the death is more or it's a less detailed explanation of the cessation of certain processes mm-hmm. in the body. Right. Um, if you're a medical student or in the medical field, yeah. you would define death differently. Right. right. And again, if you're in a specific social group, right. you would define death perhaps differently yeah. or in a more extreme case, living, right? Mm-hmm. The act of living could be living up to a certain value mm-hmm. or specific standards. Yeah. So you can commit deaths by not living up to certain standards if you're in mm-hmm. that frame of reference or right. in that socio group, or sorry, not socioeconomic group, but that ideological group mm-hmm. of people. You know, yeah. if you're in a gang, right, to be living is to be in accordance with that value system. Right. And when you step out of that value system, mm-hmm. that's like one step closer to death and dying. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a non-literal sense, but in a mm-hmm. metaphorical or ideological sense, then yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> so, you know, you, you talked about all your doctors, mm-hmm. uh, how they define death. And that's more like, um, that's a little bit different, right? I think that's that's a having a criteria for death, right? Yeah. And that's a little bit different from define death. Yeah. Right, um, and that's a uh, important that's important for practical reason, right? Because otherwise, you're not going to be able to, re- or those medical professionals won't be able to, uh, you know, solid criteria criteria to determine whether or not death occurred, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't have this standard, that's going to be a wild world, right? <laughs> right. We have to have some type of mostly right. agreed upon, yeah, definition. Mm-hmm. Like for example, uh, if you're, I think the, I think there was a definition. I think I wrote down earlier uh, for here. So in the United States, for example, um, they adopted criteria for death uh, of a person uh, modeled on the uh, Uniform Determination of Death Act in 1981, which says that an individual who has sustained either irreversible cessation of a circulatory and respiratory functions or irreversible cessation of all functions of the entire brain, including the brain stem, is that, right? Uh, this is this may be very practical, 
um, in in the medical field, but it, it still kind of fails to, real, uh, you know, keep this integrity, right? Because um, the vital activities of a human whose brain is dead can be sustained artificially using uh, cardiopulmonary assistance, right? So basically, even if your brain stem is dead, that doesn't mean that your the vital functions uh, activities in your body um, must stop as well. It can mm-hmm. continue with with an assistance. Yeah, I mean right. like, that's why you have controversy about mm-hmm. um, pulling yeah. the plug right. and euthanization. Right, I'm sorry, euthanizing, euthanization. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> euthanizing we, people. Yeah, I mean because we can see like we talked about it uh, during hiking yesterday that what about dementia, right? I mean, if you are detached from your your reality, um, which also means that you don't have self awareness at least the original form of self-awareness, then, I mean, you basically no longer exist, right? So that's close to, you know, or I don't think it's unfair to say that that's death to that person. Yeah, I wouldn't say right. I wouldn't say that's unfair. I mean, mm-hmm. their experience is so drastic, and since you lose your memories, you have nothing really mm-hmm. to compare it to. Yeah. So your identity is kind of bound mm-hmm. in memory. In a lot yeah. of ways and experience. Right. And the way you can engage with those past experiences. Yeah. Like your body's still going to act in a specific way mm-hmm. in accordance with those experiences yeah. because it has an effect on chemical structures, physical structures, things within the body. Like mm-hmm. that's the power of experience. Right. But without understanding why you have those, mm-hmm. those structures, yeah. it's kind of hard to have an idea of who you are and why you became the way you became. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not to say that those are actually the reasons you became who you are or why you are. But a lot of times we ascribe those things as the reasons. Like, I am XYZ person because I did mm-hmm. XYZ, which affected me in XYZ way. It's very personal mm-hmm. and very biased. Like, me from the outside, I can never tell you you're alive mm-hmm. and who you are just looking at your experiences. I would have to have a discussion with you yeah. to understand how you view those experiences. So that's the other problem you run into with the euthanization argument or euthanizing. I keep saying that word wrong. Um, <laughs> some people see those people as still living because mm-hmm. they define it. Right. Where the other person is even incapable of defining mm-hmm. it for themselves. Yeah. So who should have more right or more power in that situation mm-hmm. to either willingly in their life or should their mm-hmm. life be taken from them yeah it's definitely a it's i mean it's a heavy subject and it's hard very heavy subject because both sides have merit yeah. in their own regard we're not going to be able to um we're not going to be able to say which which side is correct or you know i mean we obviously we have our our own thoughts and but this can be largely case by case right yeah oh well, that's another factor case. And, um, I mean, also there's a, a problem with you know, financial problems um, when it comes to medical expenses. I mean, there are so many factors, man. I mean, I I really hate to say this, but it is not easy for us to say which one is right or not without um, really knowing the specifics of the cases, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately. But um, it is possible. To come up, uh, come to a conclusion, um, you know, without knowing specifics. But all I'm saying is that that's not just really uh, uh, meaningful today to do that. Yeah, know? yeah. 
Uh, and then there's another view uh, uh, on on death. Um, some some people say that death is a state, right? Mm-hmm. But if you uh, we look at the think about the statement, um, kind of validates itself. I feel like right. It's it's not just <laughs> possible because especially on the assumption that death results uh, in a cessation of the existence. Because in in order for a being to be in a state, it must exist. Yeah. But death means that you don't, you, you no longer exist. So therefore, it is contradictory for a being to be state. dead, but being in a state, right? Yeah. So that therefore, death is not a state. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it can't be by definition, right? Yeah. It, it fails <laughs> to be. That's right. uh, one of the problems we run into mm-hmm. a lot of things is that we're trying to define things, but we don't even have a mutual understanding of what we're trying to define mm-hmm. it's similar to the problem we run into with dualism that a mm-hmm. lot of people think the soul exists outside mm-hmm. of the body yeah you know the body is essentially for lack of a better term the puppet of the soul you know it's not bound by it mm-hmm. but everything we experience of the body is a physical sensation and so a lot of people think... 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you would think, though, that if the body can be destroyed, mm-hmm. how can an immaterial object like the soul be destroyed via physical means? Mm-hmm. But the problem is we associate the soul with all these physical things as mm-hmm. well. You know, what I see, what I feel, what I touch, mm-hmm. the way I react to it. We use our senses, mm-hmm. which then affects the soul and the way we view ourselves. So for me, it would be personally very difficult to say mm-hmm. that the soul exists outside of the body right i mean there are there are different terms for that uh soul right that are similar to um that have similar attributes of yeah. soul when we say that because when you said that all these experiences are um our, our you know through sensation which is true because without which we cannot have experience but also there's there are other views about those experiences that was more than just ex- your experiences. Your, I mean, through your sensation, the sensation uh, receives, you know, those raw data, but it is your, okay, I'm going to, you know, name those things. You said soul. Some people call it innate capacity. Some people call it, you know, um, uh, your, your consciousness, whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, the physicalist would call it the mind. Right. More so times than not. Mind, there you go. But there's no problem I mean, there are, the soul. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that there's a problem. You know, we can, we have multiple words. I mean, whether or not people agree that those p- words are actually synonym to soul, I think those are the words that have similar attributes at That's least. True. The problem, right? though, is we run to, mm-hmm. if we're talking about death and somebody out there ascribes to dualism, you would have to set aside the belief of dualism currently mm-hmm. to actually even have a discussion about death. Because by definition, dualism, the soul is not bound to a material object, thus is mm-hmm. you know, immortal in that regard. So you can't even experience death. If you yeah. if you ascribe to that ideology, the discussion of death is meaningless for you. As long as you are willing to be open minded that potentially death is a real thing mm-hmm. on the table then you can engage with, well, how do we live with that concept and what do we do knowing that things do end? If you're on the other side of it and you have a soul, Mm -hmm. you know, the question one might ask is, well, how should I I live Mm -hmm. in this current time with this specific body? Um, I think the physicalist runs into the same issue, but he doesn't ever give the 
the freedom of burden to realize that there will be something afterwards, mm-hmm. possibly. So yeah. there's a lot more pressure on how you live your current day life, knowing that you will indeed mm-hmm. eventually die. And again, not everybody that believes this actually applies it to their life in any meaningful right. way. Yeah. I'm not saying that one belief or the other is necessarily going to lead to a better application mm-hmm. because you can hold either idea. Yeah, You can even hold them conjointly in some regard. Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to apply yeah. based on that premise to your life to right. actually have value from it. Right. So, so that's the problem, right? I mean, whether, rather the differences, mm-hmm. right? The, because depending on your values, depending on your faith, depending on your preferences, ideologies, you know, your view on death could be completely different. And it doesn't really have to be, um, you know, scientifically true or no. doesn't have to be logically sound. I mean, if that's how you want to view death and life, that's how you should view your life. I mean, at least you will have that consistency, you know, um, in dealing with life or death, yeah. right? So that's why it's kind of hard for one to say that, oh, you're wrong. You know, you're, you're, your view is wrong about this because they have different value systems, right? But um, at least we can talk about why it is important, right, to have this discussion, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, why do we even talk about that, whether or not, you know, you you talked about consciousness and, you know, soul, whether or not we can experience something something after death, we cannot prove it, right? I mean, and, and that shouldn't really affect how we live, whether or not there is after afterlife, whether or not there is something that we can experience after our death. That shouldn't really affect how we live our life because that is something uncertain and we don't have any control of. And this is a life where we have, you know, full of experiences where we have full control of how we can experience those things. Yeah, I would definitely, I'm in the camp that... Mm-hmm. You shouldn't wager your current for the future that's unknown or unprovable mm-hmm. in any meaningful way to me personally. Right. But again, that takes experience to arrive to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to not to talk about really religion. Tiny bit. <laughs> but <clears throat> faith is a different matter, right? Um, yeah, faith I is think, a completely different matter. Yeah. Because that seems to affect people's lives a lot. Right, I mean, very uh, in a serious way, like how they live in this life. Yeah, right? and then that faith is also bound to their belief system mm-hmm. and the value system, which whatever religion or spiritualism they ascribe to. Mm-hmm. Then I would then make the argument if the faith is true or not based on how well they can live up to mm-hmm. said standard or value system. Yeah, you know, to me, if you're in true accordance with that faith mm-hmm. and that belief then your actions are going to reflect that in conjunction right. with your words, Yeah, which we just don't see a lot of times. We also see that on the other side, though. Yeah. People that ascribe to the ideology that there is nothing after life, mm-hmm. now is the only meaningful thing, but they live completely meaningless and empty lives Yeah, by all accounts as far as you can look at from their mm-hmm. words in comparison to their actions. And again, that's not largely to fault of any people. It's very hard to live up to your words and your value systems. Yeah. Which is why you shouldn't so readily jump and accept any value system. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. <laughs> right. But eventually we will have to, right? Uh, you will. I you mean, do. that's, that's uh, part of the life that 
along the journey you um you challenge a lot of ideas and that you eventually establish your own value system right hopefully if you're um, one of the few few lucky that's true hopefully but um because because the value system can give can give you different directions uh for your life right or it can determine how you should do your life right because without which you're you know it's almost the same as say that, that you're like a zombie right you're just living by reacting to to inputs mm-hmm. right but even so <clears throat> if you don't have any value system then you're nothing but reacting right you're you're just passive element in in this in this universe yeah which you don't want to be yeah yeah which i mean we very well maybe even if we're choosing our actions those might just be mm-hmm. a reactionary process mm-hmm. of experience and mm-hmm. then we're just under the illusion of having the choice in the matter it's very possible alternate scenario but i do think for all intents and purposes we have to operate from a point mm-hmm. of view that we do have some type of control to express yeah. ourselves right. just because it's empowering it gives life more value and more meaning i would argue right and and then you know we've talked us talked about this many times that the experiences that we we uh get are real though right and whether mm-hmm. or not we talked about whether or not you're free basically we touched on just free will uh whether or not you have that the experiences themselves are real right that's undeniable um we're doing podcast here this is real we're recording it this is real mm-hmm. whether or not we we believe that we chose to do this which could be true which may not be true maybe we're just influenced by this value system that we have that were created by we think by us but it was just uh, simply input or a result of inputs mm-hmm. uh, externally we don't know we can we can prove that just because only because we share um we share a lot of values and within the language system um it's just hard to prove that every ideas that we have are genuine yeah right? very difficult it's difficult to prove but at least um again at least these experiences are real and i like to think that life is full of experiences mm. you know um i mean so i was going to touch on this a little bit whether or not so it's hard to you know talk about all elements of death, but I think we you know we can get some meaningful um, outcomes by discussing whether or not death is good. Is death good? Mm-hmm. Good or bad? Right. Good I mean, or bad? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So hedonism, um, Epicureans. I mean, it's one of them. If you look at, you know try to answer this question whether or not death is good or bad um, according to hedonism whose virtue is pleasure only um, you can hedonism, go e- yeah. yeah you can go either way right on the grounds that pleasure or pain for this matter lies lies in sensation then death is the beginning of the end of or complete absence of sensation right so in that sense It'll be bad because you no longer experience anything, right? That 
part of which could be uh, pleasure, which is the virtue of, um, you know, uh, which is the virtue of this hedonism, then mm -hmm. you can say that, okay, death is bad because you no longer have this pleasure, which only comes from experience via sensation, right? But also another thing you, I, I thought, another thing you can conclude from this same virtue system is that it could be, it won't be too bad if on the grounds that human beings cannot experience death itself. There's no, there's no experience there, mm -hmm. right? You cannot experience death, right? Death yeah, is... Other people can, but you can't, personally. Yeah, I mean, you may, you may experience dying, but you, you don't experience death. There, there are two different things, Yeah. right? So since there's no sensation, meaning a lack of experience, one cannot have neither pleasure nor pain. Whether or not a person experiences uh, his or her death, death is, death is not itself an experience, right? Yeah. For example, I can I can do sparring with someone. That's my experience. I'm I, I experience sparring, but mm -hmm. sparring itself is not an experience. It's it's sort of like experience versus content. Yeah. It's an idea. It's a concept. I can climb. I, I experience climb, but the climbing itself is not an experience, mm -hmm. right? So in that sense, it's not too bad, right? Because you're not experiencing death anyway, yeah, right? So what's the point of, you know, whether or not this is good or bad according to the virtue of, you know, pleasure or pain, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. and again, I mean, we don't even know if death actually exists. We know it exists in a rough form of an idea like we're no longer able to perceive those individuals in the way we perceived them before yeah you know so somebody famously like socrates who you know was sentenced to death mm -hmm. and then chose to drink hemlock as part of his punishment mm -hmm. you know mockingly said not mockingly but to the the people around him you know, he said, to fear death, gentlemen, is no other than to think of oneself wise when one is not. To think one knows what mm -hmm. one does not know. Yeah. I think that's spot on. We cannot know what occurs after death. So to put a value judgment on it seems almost like a moot point. To call it good or bad, mm -hmm. you're basically claiming to know something you absolutely cannot know. Right. 110%. But... Yeah. We do this constantly and consistently. And I don't think it's inhuman mm -hmm. to put values on death. I would say it's extremely human to put a value system on mm -hmm. death because it's a change. It's when things change. Yeah. And we're very uncomfortable with large, drastic changes most of right. the time. Mm -hmm. More subtle, nuanced, changed things we don't realize that are occurring. Mm -hmm. Even functions happening right now in your body. There's yeah. change occurring. You're aging. You're okay with these conceptually because mm -hmm. they're so small. Mm -hmm. But when somebody dies, specifically when you have a relationship with somebody and they die, that's when you have a huge impact on your value system mm -hmm. of it either being extremely good or extremely bad. But when somebody dies that you don't know, for the most part, most people, I think, have a detached view of it. They no. might say that's sad because they know in their value system mm -hmm. death is sad or negative, mm -hmm. whatever. So they'll just say it's bad. But they All don't right. communicate in any meaningful way that actually shows they care. You know, they're almost just virtue signaling to remind other people, yes, mm -hmm. death is a bad thing. And again, it's something none of us will escape ever.
Yeah. And so I think that's the fallacy <clears throat> of most value systems when surrounded with death. Right. And that's why I think Socrates, what he did was, you know, elegant in that way, even though it was right. suicide. Right. And, you know, that's, that's based on based on our inability to uh, perceive anything after death, right? Yeah. But also, I think, but the for the most part, for a lot of people, uh, I think they their fear is due to, um, largely due to the notion that life is worth living. You know, life is great. Life is precious. You know, they, they know, I think most people would agree, um, other than some, you know, minor cases where, you know, people are very desperate, you know, um, trying to Hardships. commit suicide, you know, things like that, right? I mean, but for most people would, I think they would agree that life is precious or at least they value life itself, right? I want to, yeah. I want to I have a good life. Life is precious, right? I think, I think the fear of death largely comes from that. True. Because the that, life ends, right? The, right. The, the thing that you consider precious no longer exists anymore, True. right? But they've never experienced the opposite of that situation. True. So they're only operating from the place of a known. Mm-hmm. And when you only have a known, you can only operate in one way. Right? right. So we just don't have anything to compare it to. Right. So if it's no, to me, it's no surprise that most mm-hmm. people are going to be life affirming. Mm-hmm. How could you not be? That's all right. you've ever known. Except yeah. again, for these um, outliers. Mm-hmm. And again, people that have suicidal ideation or tendencies. I think most of those come from a place of having mm-hmm. um, great difficulties and tragedies in their life or, you know, mental illness and other things. But there are, there are a, I imagine a vast mm-hmm. minority of people that have, have it all put together and have arrived to the conclusion that suicide is mm-hmm. the best option for them. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's potentially true for some people. Yeah. But whoever's listening to this, that's an extreme minority. Mm-hmm. If you're suffering from ideation and those types of things, it probably does not apply to you unless you've gone through every process to get mm-hmm. help and things like that. Yeah. And look, I'm even basically continuing to idolize a value system that i don't know the opposite of Mm -hmm. you know i'm still being life affirming even right now to remind people but i'm not doing it because i think death is a bad thing Mm -hmm. i'm doing it because i think life is so powerful and a great thing yeah and the experiences are so worth having yeah that i would encourage anybody that's going through anything yeah to try and better themselves or you know that's a poor word choice poor term Mm -hmm. but try to find the joy and value in life so they can get more out of it. And again, right. same with the value system. That's the sure. other thing, you know, creating a value system so you can have a greater depth of living. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we do here with theory of living. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, it really comes back to the point that what matters is uh, what we can experience and what we have control of, right? I mean, that's, those are the most uh, most important things that we need to really focus on, right? Because when I even said that, you know, that uh, death, fear of death uh, largely comes from the notion that life is precious, um, I mean, you can argue that then, oh, well, can I just intentionally make my life worse, just bad and full of evil <laughs> so that my death going to be, I, I won't have that fear, I mean, yeah, maybe. And I think that's probably the case for some people, I mean, you know, who are suicidal severely, right? That their life is just 
not meaningful th- to them anymore. Yeah. That to them, that is the only that is the only solution, right? Yeah. So in that sense, at, at least it's logically consistent. But I obviously I'm not saying that that's what one should do. Yeah. Obviously I'm not saying that. But just because we understand that death, the fear of death comes from that notion, is it even possible conceptually that we do the opposite so that we can succeed at eliminating the fear? I mean, is it possible? I mean, personally, I think that the expression of these Mm -hmm. negative values or positive values in this way is mostly people refusing to accept that death is an absolute. I think people do this in the opposite way where they live very passively, Mm -hmm. adapt the normal nine to five, you know, the normal cultural historical context of what happiness should look like and should Mm -hmm. be for their time period and live out that life. And, and, and to me, that would be a philosophical death. Yeah. You're, you're dead in that situation because you essentially are just reactionary. You're living mm-hmm. everything everybody's told you. Yeah. Same with the other people that take the opposite rebellious approach. Mm-hmm. If they're only doing that to rebel against the norm rather than they've chose their value system, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the other side of the same coin to me personally. So okay. I think you can express it both ways mm-hmm. while also i think you can have life affirming and create your own value system mm-hmm. and that can be expressed both ways too i mean there's people that are have done horrendous things serial killers mm-hmm. that absolutely have no fear of death because they're living their life in a meaningful way to them granted i would say these are extreme outliers mm-hmm. again conditioned by society civilization and different things right. so they can express themselves in that way yeah, but, but even so, that could be a very relative term. When yeah. they say that, they when they claim that, oh, I don't have any fear of death, yeah. that could be a very relative term, yeah. right? But I would, I would argue uh, there's mm. probably a bit of truth there because even people that do amazing, wonderful things, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those individuals don't have a fear of death. Mm-hmm. You know, So they're unrestrained in that regard. They can right. actually express themselves right. to the full degree. And yes, obviously, the serial killer, the sociopath, the psychopath, Whatever they are, they're the extreme antithesis Mm -hmm. of life affirmation, right? Where the guy that's going in discovery and creating things, he's the, you know, the extreme positive of life affirmation, Mm -hmm. right? Still the same coin, just vastly different expressions. Mm -hmm. But to me, still, both those people are more groundbreaking than somebody who's just doing what they've been told Mm -hmm. or have never challenged or thought about that. I would still give more reverence in regard to those individuals, even the ones that have done like crazy things, because it takes a lot to do crazy things. Not that I would personally, because that's again, not with my value system. I would say most people that have fallen to the antithesis of the value system probably arrive there from a very difficult life. Mm -hmm. But even what we were watching the other day, you know, you can find out explanations of why people ended up where they are. Mm -hmm. And you start to realize, Oh shit, they're like, where they're coming from. I'm not very far. I can totally understand how they arrived to the conclusions they have about mm-hmm. life and why they do what they do right. and why they've done it. Mm-hmm. And you felt, you feel, you feel real empathy for yeah. those people. Even people have done horrendous things. We're talking about the enemy. We're yeah. Yeah. About. But <laughs> just in general, I mean, you see this thing displayed throughout time. <laughs> right. Numerously. Yeah. Which I think also helps though, allow our values and our ego yeah. to be more accepting of other people. Mm-hmm. When you realize that you were one misstep or, just thinking things slightly differently yeah. and you could have been that person. You literally could have been that person. Yeah. 
I think you know that that you know ability for us uh, of ours to be empathetic um, for those who don't seem like having um, making good decisions or more accepted decisions, or I think come from our understanding that nothing's really absolute right yeah Yeah. that's why we like we're not told to be empathetic but we're just naturally empathetic right i think it's good and bad i I guess in my opinion right because we can be empathetic that's a great thing but you know at the same time we do that because we still don't have that you know understanding of better understanding of what really that means you know yeah i mean i i almost feel like though we're naturally inclined mm-hmm. to again empathize with people because we understand that things do change. Mm-hmm. It's like a fundamental thing ascribed in the universe, as far as we're aware. Everything yeah. absolutely changes all the time. Mm-hmm. You just need the right type of equipment to measure the change. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we're so ready to adapt new ideas. We're ready to adopt new things mm-hmm. because we understand fundamentally. Of course, there's new ideas, and of course, there's some merit. Mm-hmm. Just because things change. Right. You know, when you try to say things never change, that's when you run into, like, strong ideologies, people that can do, you know, potentially horrendous acts and things like that because mm-hmm. they're set in their ways and their ego is bound to the idea that these are permanent. Mm-hmm. These are set in stone. These are, like, fundamental qualities of the universe. Mm-hmm. And when those become values and ethical systems, mm-hmm. then it becomes very easy to say, I'm right and I'm going to exert punishment on those yeah. that do wrong mm-hmm. based on my value system, you know? But you have to, de- again, deny the fundamental quality of the universe that change is real. Mm-hmm. Things are not absolute, Yeah, you know? And that's, I guess that's the conundrum we run into with that. But speaking on the terms of death, have you had any, I mean, you and I, you know, both lost our friend, Stephen, mm-hmm. who's like a brother to us yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, so we've experienced death very personally, you know, hands on. Right. And then I lost my mom. Externally, right? Yeah, externally, yeah. right? We yeah. So we had the experience of death. Yeah. Then I lost my mom, you know, over 10 years ago. And there's been the continual process of learning and adapting mm-hmm. and changing with the realization that those people are no longer in your life. So mm-hmm. you experience death even through that. Like, again, I'm not experiencing death. I'm experiencing the concept of death. And then I'm applying its judgments and values against me and how should it affect me. Mm-hmm. So I think how we view death has a huge impact on how we live our lives. Because if it's something we think that we really 100%. should fear mm-hmm. and be afraid of, I mean, most people would say that, yet they do nothing to live their lives any differently. Mm-hmm. While it seems the people that say death is nothing to be afraid of somehow mm-hmm. find the courage to live an authentic life. Mm-hmm. That's been my anecdotal experience and just from the things I've read, the people I've known, and the media I've consumed, that seems to be something that rings true more times than not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it's kind of cliche to say this, but, you know, really most important thing is to um, focus on what we have control of, Right. And what matters to us? I mean, no one wants to die at least 
No one wants to die with full of regrets. Yeah. You know, full of regrets that oh, I should have done this. I should have you know said this. Nobody wants to live like that, right? Even those who want are suicidal. You know, let's say that they make you know intentionally bad choices. Yeah, they may die with you know the fact that they have done everything they wanted to, but at the same time, they die. You know, with that possibility that they could have done differently, right? They、yeah. could have done differently in that life. They could have made their lives better and worth living. Yeah. Right. I mean, at least you're gonna die with that regrets. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, absolutely. I think a lot of people, though, that have a fear of death or think about death,、mm-hmm. are living in a state of regret because they're not taking action、mm-hmm. in their day-to-day moments、yeah. to be living the life they want, which leaves room to think、mm-hmm. about death. Yeah. Because in some way, you're you're committing an intellectual death、yeah. by not living the life you believe you should be living. Exactly. So yeah, you're very aware of of death as a concept,、mm-hmm. but you seem to forget that it's literally happening to you right now. You're thinking、mm-hmm. about it twenty years, thirty years, ten years down the road. You're thinking about that death, when really you're experiencing it right now by、mm-hmm. choosing not to change your life and engage in、yeah. what's meaningful to you,、yeah. or at the very least, create something meaningful、yeah. to you. To me, that's the real death. It's like the Ernest Hemingway quote.、Yeah. You know, he says, "A cowardly man dies a thousand deaths,、mm-hmm. or dies the death of a thousand paper cuts, but the brave only die once." Yeah, some something like that. Yeah, yeah. which is beautiful、mm-hmm. because I I really do believe that's incredibly true. When you compromise your value system, and I mean compromise in the sense of disregard, blatant disregard.、Mm-hmm. Total inaction, total antithesis of your value system, and behave accordingly in that way.、Mm-hmm. That's when you really experience death. Yeah, I think that's death. Yeah,、and、I think that should be feared far greater than the cessation of life. Yeah, that's that's the way I feel about death. Right. I mean, that's why we're doing this too. I mean, you and I both、mm-hmm. can agree on those terms to a certain level. Maybe not a hundred percent. But well enough that we take action in our、yeah. lives, right? And that's what I would want any of this message to do for somebody out there、mm-hmm. listening. I'd propel you into action.、Mm-hmm. You, I don't know, man. I don't really have a fear of death when I'm living my life the、mm-hmm. way I feel like I should be living it. I really、yeah. don't. It doesn't. Right. Even when it crosses my mind momentarily, I think about it.、Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'd be fine dying right now. I'm doing、right. what I'm passionate about. I'm choosing to express my will、mm-hmm. upon the world, and dying doing that. Hell yeah! What a yeah. great death, you know.、Right. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, very similar to me too. That、uh, first of all, I do not have,、uh, at least in a meaningful way, I don't have fear of death because I don't really correlate、uh, what happens in life with what happens after death. You know, I、yeah. just really don't correlate them. I don't think there's they're not consequent. Well, obviously, it's not a religious view.、Uh, I mean. Completely opposite to religious view because they are、uh, correlated, right? Yeah.、Uh, whether you say consequence, what happens, what after、uh, happens after death is consequence of what you do in life, right? I mean, that's、um, most religious views, and in, including Egyptians too, right? The death,、um, their value、um, is determined by their、um, their virtue in life, basically, and、yeah. that's why the mummification and then. That determines like 
how luxurious the mummification becomes and all that, right? But isn't um, it funny too, though? Because yeah. the soul and the idea of this mm. immortal thing isn't yeah. that just the skirt the realization that death exists? Yeah, you know, like it's something so conceptually hard to grasp. Mm-hmm. We come up with the idea of the soul mm-hmm. or some form of immortality. Yeah, just to bypass this process that's. In, in my opinion, completely meaningless. Mm-hmm. And I say that as somebody who's gone through tragic loss. I'm not saying tra- I'm not saying loss is meaningless, but I'm saying that the death of the individual mm-hmm. is mostly meaningless. Because you get the experience of them through the time you spent with them, which then has a direct impact as long as you're willing to be conscious and think about it in your everyday life. And like they continue to live on in that way. Yes. You know, like the impact is not lost. It echoes through time. Yeah, so their existence is in different form now, right? They don't they no longer exist physically, but they do exist in your mind. Yeah. Right? I'm saying if you're struggling with somebody's death, mm-hmm. to me at least that's that's what you can do. You can carry their flag in your life. Yeah. And that can be a much sure. more powerful experience than mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. You're going to cry. You're going to weep. You're going to have a hard time. Mm-hmm. But if you stay in that forever, you've basically died with them. Yeah. What a horrible thing. They would never want that for you. Yeah. You, know? you definitely don't want that for yourself. Right. You know? So you got to see the good in almost every situation when it's applicable and when you can. Mm-hmm. And continue to be life-affirming and not die in those small moments, even mm-hmm. when you're experiencing death. Yeah. Death of a loved one death of a friend, death of a concept, like be willing to let go of these things, even yeah. conceptually, because they can add such value to your life when you're willing to adopt and adapt new ideas mm-hmm. or people, friends, yeah. family. Yeah, I mean, pets. <laughs> definitely uh, really contemplating these ideas of death and life can be life altering, man. Um, I think I really recommend everyone to do the same you know think about it because that's going to really force you to look at your life right yeah uh, in that sense i think it really meaning, meaningful and productive because you can guide your you know guide yourself in your life in a better way right than just again we've, we've talked about this many times but just live your life in a imposed way right i mean you yeah. don't want to leave it like that right yeah and you know one should have his or her very um core value system you know it, it may change it can be adjusted but you should always strive for establishing those you know concrete value system for yourself otherwise you may not you 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 could be shakeable in, yeah. in hardships and you know in in bad situations right i mean Completely. that's the, yeah that's the correct way to maybe I shouldn't say correct way but <laughs> that's a way. A, yeah that's a way to live your life yeah right I think it's goes back to the concept that Lee wanted mm-hmm. us to mention memento mori mm-hmm. remember your death it's just what it means translates yeah. to right just be aware you're going to die mm-hmm. it's also why we have such huge imagery skulls you mm-hmm. know the grim reaper things like this yeah. these are supposed to be memento moris yeah reminders that you inevitably will die one day 
And again, it's to remind you so you can live life right now. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose. Not to scare you. Not to make you fearful. Right. Not fearful in a way that like paralyzes you. Maybe fearful mm-hmm. in the way that reminds you time is ticking. The moments are short. Right. I must live for now. Yeah. You know, it's like the Dead Poet Society, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Carpe diem. Right. Seize the day. Seize it right now. That's all <sighs> you have. Yeah. Everything else, it's an illusion. The future is not guaranteed. Yeah. That's custom. We only think the future is going to occur tomorrow because mm. we experienced it yesterday. Yeah. We experienced today knowing yesterday that tomorrow might come. Yeah. You know, we're not guaranteed it, but we so quickly adapt and accept mm-hmm. a fundamental aspect of reality is that tomorrow is guaranteed. Yeah. Like the future actually exists, right. but it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. It's just a concept. So be reminded the only thing you have really is right now. Yeah. This very moment. The moment you're listening to this. Yeah. True. Or the fifty minutes fifty one minutes in. So I think is there anything um more you want to talk about? Nothing particularly. I yeah. mean we're starting a three day fast today, so Yeah. I mean so far so good. It's not that bad. The first day is the easiest one, honestly. Um are you hungry? No. Yeah. I mean, we don't eat it this time anyway. You know, we don't eat till late later, so. Right. But, um, yeah, again, life is full of experiences that you choose to have, right? So, you know, go out there, get some good experiences, and, um, you know, live your life autonomously. Right? Yeah. That's another thing. And here's the cool thing. If you're worried about the future, mm-hmm. as long as you act in every moment mm-hmm. to the value system you decide upon, that's valuable, the next moment's going to reveal itself and you'll be more capable in it. Yeah. Don't have to worry that much. Mm-hmm. Just start living it out and things fall into place. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 100%. All right, guys. Right. I think that's it for today. Take care. We'll talk to you later. Bye. That's this week's episode of the Theory of Living Podcast. Thanks for listening with us. We are Lafayette and Kai. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you'd like to help support us, we have a Patreon page where you can subscribe for exclusive content. Also, please share it with others who you think may find value in our discussion. Leave a rating, a review, and please subscribe to the podcast. Thank you again. See you next time.